Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Welcome to Unhappy Hour, the show where we bitch about all the things we love to hate every single week. I'm your host, Matt Bellisai. I'm here in my home studio recording far, far away from my producer, Barry. Hi, Barry. Hi, Matt. Wow, you didn't say my full I know, I really name that time. Barry I don't know Finkel. what. Are you happy? Yes, thank you. Rhymes with periwinkle. <laughs> yes, I am. How are you doing? Tell me what's what's going on. Uh, you know, I ate a weird apple. Mm, um, what does that mean? I do think... <laughs> I, okay, I went to the grocery store. I dropped a whole bunch of apples on the ground. My plastic bag ripped open onto the floor. And then oh my God. I picked all of them up. And I normally, I, I would just, in like a vacuum, I would have put all of them back and let someone else deal with it. I love picturing you just like trying to very coyly just pick up a bunch of apples that spilled all over the floor and just put them away like absolutely no one would notice that. My grocery store also has this weird thing where all of the apples are like prominently... They each have their own little... It's one of those displays where all the apples are in their own little kind of like paper wrapping. Mm -hmm. They each have their own little It's like a little basket. Yeah. So I was like, I took out like 13 apples and they spilled everywhere. (laughs) And I wanted to put them back, but I felt too guilty. So I bought them and now I'm probably going to die because I ate one of them. I mean, you know what they call that floor. It's COVID lava. So Well, I'm covered in in COVID lava, I guess. Good. Also, I'm trying to break the like psychosexual relationship I have with Starbucks. So uh, (laughs) I think I did the month that I was in Chicago. I only had like one coffee a day, which is the normal amount of coffee that people should have. And now that I'm back in New York in my own apartment, I've been making my whole pot of coffee in the morning. Before (laughs) Chicago, I would make my pot of coffee, have that, and then go get a venti Starbucks in the (laughs) afternoon, which is like enough, enough coffee to keep like... I mean, you could a like, village. yeah, reanimate a dead elephant. Yes, definitely. That's, I'm pretty sure I, uh, Thomas Edison did that experiment on an elephant. <laughs> but 
exciting things happening this week because I am here to announce a new psychosexual relationship between Ooh. me and you, the listeners. Wow. Yeah. What an intro. <laughs> Let's just say, or if you've ever been sitting at home alone at night, just naked and afraid, just just sobbing oh, over the fact that TV show. there's only one little episode of Unhappy Hour a week and you don't get enough of, of this, my sensual orgasm inducing voice in your life. If that sounds like you, then guess what, bitch? You better get your little booty hole ready because I'm coming in with even more, even more hot triple X behind the scenes, uncut, raw, dirty content on Patreon. Because now you you can subscribe to me and this voice on Patreon. But for real, if you have been wanting even more fun content, obviously... Obviously, you have been. You can subscribe to me on Patreon now for a bunch of exclusive bonus material that you can't get anywhere else. Nowhere else on earth. Like what? What kind of content? I'm glad you asked, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Because you're going to get some bonus unhappy hour content, like bonus (gasps) worst things first stories that were were cut for time, which is a (laughs) lot because I talk a lot. We always record multiple, multiple Worst Things First stories. Our interviews usually go for like a full hour. And Barry and our producers, they all cut it down so that it fits within uh, a a reasonable amount of time for a normal podcast episode. But on Patreon, you're going to get the bonus Worst Things First stories that were unheard on that week's episode. You'll get the full extended guest complainer interviews. With video, with video, all of with yeah. all of this, and a, a brand new Patreon-only exclusive segment I'm calling Enough, <laughs> where I uh, pick a person, place, or thing every week that I have had enough of. Uh, so that is uh, a weekly rant. So you're getting all of that, all of that bonus content. Uh, also, fans of my baking series on Instagram will be pleased to hear that I'm launching a, a new series exclusive to Patreon called no. Bitchin' Bacon After Dark. What does that mean? It, uh, where I bake my stuff and then I In the dark, it. blindfolded. <laughs> no, I'm going to do, I'm going to put my pastry skills to the test by baking some hot, erotic cookies cakes oh my god dessert truly psychosexual i'm talking butt cookies dick cakes your your erotic desserts you know stuff that the stuff that makes you tingle and not just your your taste buds but everywhere if you know what i mean we will include uh, the link to sign up for Patreon in the show notes, or you can go on Patreon and just search me. You'll find me, um, or I'll probably tweet it, all of that stuff. You'll find me if you want to find me. I love it. And you know what? We still have a whole episode to get through. Yeah. Coming up today, we're going to kick things off, as always, with Worst Things First, where I chat about the stupidest, most ridiculous worst news of the week. After that, we're diving deep into this dry-ass winter, because I am putting my humidifier to work, and you need to hear about this ashy, ashy skin. It's true. This is whatever the opposite of a wet ass pussy is, is what is what <laughs> I'm experiencing. All over my body. <laughs> Dry ass penis. That is what, that's my song, Cardi. 
And finally, I'm so excited about this week's guest. Uh, I mean, listeners of Unhappy Hour will know that this has been a long time coming. Oh, yeah. We got Claire freaking Saffitz on the pod. Claire is the genius behind and in front of Gourmet Me. She is the author of the new New York Times best-selling cookbook, Dessert Person, which I've already baked a, a shitload of stuff from. And she's got a whole new YouTube channel called Dessert Person with Clara Saffitz. We talked uh, before the holidays, so get your timing straight. Uh, And I'm excited that you'll finally get to hear this interview because I've been sitting on it. I've been gestating it like a beautiful egg. And now it's hatching. So let's get into it. Let's do it. Let's start the show. All right, horse things first. Let's talk about the worst news of the week. First, love, I'm in love with this story. A neighborhood in Queens has reported being terrorized by an aggressive squirrel who repeatedly attacked residents unprovoked, leaving them bloody and afraid to leave their houses. Oh my God. The picture that accompanies this story is terrifying oh no it shows like a snow covered sidewalk just doused in blood there is blood (gasps) everywhere and it's the human's blood it's not the squirrel's blood oh my god so multiple (laughs) neighbors in this queen's neighborhood have reported being attacked by the squirrel who is extra aggressive one woman said you hear someone has been bitten by a squirrel and you're like, okay, you got a little nib. What's the deal? But this, this was an MMA cage match and I lost. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I am obsessed with this squirrel. I, everybody famously, I hate squirrels, but this squirrel is queen. Just out here winning cage matches against the people of Queens. It's definitely the most New York squirrel I've ever heard of. Yeah. Like, it's not just sneaking into people's apartments. It's like, get out of here. Fuck you. I'm walking here. Yeah, maybe we're just in his part of the sidewalk. Yeah. Yeah. A security camera image showed the squirrel latching on to this woman's hand. She said, we're wrestling in the snow and there's blood everywhere. My fingers are getting chewed and it won't let go. Eventually, oh it just stopped, and there there I was, a big, bloody mess. Horrifying. So here's the thing, not to victim blame. But we need that to be a button at this point. <laughs> yes, seriously. <laughs> we need a jingle for not to victim blame. But were they asking for it? Okay, this is what I constantly wa- want to be asking. Because I might have said this before, my brother and I, we had hamsters growing up. Mine famously died from Mm -hmm. uh, from a tumor famously exploded but my brothers would constantly bite him and we could never figure out why until one and he got like so upset that it was biting him and then finally we we discovered that it was because my mom bought like a tub of powdered sugar donuts from sam's club and for like three months straight my brother just constantly had powdered sugar on his fingers (laughs) (laughs) So what I'm saying is not to be a rodent detective here, but like maybe the squirrel is just getting a whiff of something that all of these. I mean, have you been to Queens? It's just going nom, 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 you know, right? there's like pizza particles everywhere in Queens. You have no idea. Mm. <laughs> you have no idea. And I will say this. I will tread very lightly because I know everybody in Queens will bust my kneecaps in <laughs> with a lead pipe. 
or just set the squirrel on you. The squirrel is just kind of learning from what he's seeing. See, that's what I'm afraid of is that not only is he learning what he's seeing, but he's then going to teach the other squirrels and he's going to create an army and they will win. We better watch out. Yeah, the uh, the victims of this squirrel have said that they've called the city for help. I got multiple. <laughs> uh, the Department of Health uh, said that it advised them to hire a state-licensed trapper, which they have, but all of the traps remain empty. So the squirrel is, he's a wily one, and he's avoiding capture. I just think it's, it's really impossible to overstate the damage that Sandy Cheeks did to our communities. And just in terms of convincing people of, 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 the, of the squirrel's innocence, letting their guard down. This blood is on your hands, Sandy. Next, a man using an after hours ATM at a bank in California. So the bank was closed and uh, he looked inside uh, and saw what he initially thought was a stuffed animal on top of someone's desk. Turns out. Uh, they were two live raccoons who had broken in to the bank's lobby. Damn. Yeah. These raccoons, they got to pair up with the squirrel and queens and they can go full heist. Yeah. That's like one half of Ocean's Eleven right there. <laughs> you got you got your attack squirrel and you got your mastermind robbing raccoons. You hear this, Disney? You hear this, Netflix? We got Ocean's Eleven meets Air Bud meets <laughs> Home Alone. It's going to be the new franchise sensation. Mandalorian? Never heard of it. Let's go. Yeah. The local Humane Society was called to remove the these robbers, and they spent more than 10 minutes chasing the raccoons around the building. They found some muddy paw prints on the tree outside the bank and assumed that they climbed up the tree crawled through the air ducts to get inside the bank. The Humane Society said there were several broken ceiling tiles and the masked bandits knocked papers around and even a computer over. It's a little sad to me that the raccoons lived into their own stereotype. <laughs> As yeah. as bandits, they are, you know, like they are depicted that way in cartoons. They've got the little masks on their face. And then they were just like, you know what? Let's fucking use these. Yeah. I mean, this is an example of, of, of when society tells you you are destined to become this thing. Yeah. And reinforces the stereotype every every time you turn on television and you don't see yourself reflected in role models. This is what happens. Thankfully, according to the Humane Society, thankfully the raccoons were not injured during their morning escapade. And Who to our knowledge, about the raccoons? they didn't abscond with any money. Mm. That's what that's what they want you to think. They were just casing the joint. They may not have taken the money, but they took a lot of the data. Yeah. That's where the real is money key. is. Yeah. Guess what? Money isn't paper anymore, bank. <laughs> it's numbers. It's zeros and ones on a computer screen. And finally, here's a complete 180 for you. A hacker recently took control of people's internet-connected chastity cages and demanded ransom to be paid in Bitcoin to unlock it. I'm sorry. It. I need you to take me step by step through yeah, this. Yeah, I figured, I figured we would have to go step by step through that <laughs> sentence. Okay. Here's the thing. I'm not sure if you're aware, but there is uh, a segment of the BDSM community mm -hmm. that wears chastity cages over right. their penises. 
cool. So basically, that's, that's what the Jonas Brothers' dad made them wear. Oh my God. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, until they went through puberty and could not be contained. I just remember they used to wear chastity rings. They used to oh. wear chastity rings. <laughs> I thought I, I thought there was no reference. I thought you were just dunking on the Jonas Brothers. <laughs> no, they used to wear chastity rings. Yeah. So here's the thing. These people, uh, people wear these chastity cages that are basically like, they fit like directly around one's genitals. Mm. It's not like a belt. It's okay. like a, a very specific little like. More like a jock strap. Almost, yeah, like a pocket. Yeah, like a jock strap, basically. Okay. I, I can visualize it. And now they have these like smart ones that That's connect to the internet. Idea. So you can like, as part of this, I guess you can like give a password to someone from somewhere else and they can like lock it or unlock it. And it's part of like domination or whatever. Cool. This is me who is the most vanilla person ever trying to explain this. <laughs> <laughs> but... The problem was one hacker, uh, this was the, the, I'm just going to read this sentence from this Vice article where it came from. Quote, your cock is mine now, the hacker told one of the victims, according to a screenshot of a conversation obtained by a security researcher that goes by the name Smelly and is the founder <laughs> of a website that collects malware samples. So basically, hackers broke into the system, locked all of these cages, and said, give me all of your Bitcoin, or I will never let your dick free. I wonder what the Venn diagram of people who own Bitcoin and people who own smart chastity cages are. I mean, I guess it's... Oh, it's a full circle. Yeah. (laughs) I'm pretty sure it's a full circle. (laughs) The company that, that, that distributes it said that they had patched up whatever uh, vulnerability led to this. But they quoted some guy being like, yep, they they tried to threaten me and get 750 bucks from me. It's not that much. Yeah. If I were holding someone's genitals for ransom, I'd probably ask for like... At least a house. At least four figures. At least. And that's it for this week's Worst Things First. Next, we are diving deep into the horse part of winter... My dry ass skin. Deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive. Deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive. All right. Well, we are well into winter now, and despite the promises that I'm hearing about the so called global warming. That, uh, that I keep hearing about winter coldness is here and it comes with the dreaded winter dryness. The moisture has been absolutely sucked from the air. Like it's the last tapioca ball in my bubble tea. Just <laughs> sucked right out. Bubble tea. I really could go for some right now. What Just, an invention. I love it. It says, you know what I would love is to just have the sensation of like a bursting testicle in my mouth. (laughs) Uh, The point is we are we are left positively parched. So let's get into it. Winter dryness, you dehydrating demon. First, my skin 
at this point could literally sand down a rough surface and <laughs> just prepare, preparing it for a beautiful mural, perhaps. My skin is so dry. It is so dry. I don't know if you can hear. Ugh. The point is, my skin is flaky and not flaky like a delicious croissant or flaky like a delicate pie crust, the bad kind of flaky. We're talking flaky like an early 2000s portrayal of Pamela Anderson flaky. Get like, oh, she is so flaky. Do you remember they had a TV show? I think it lasted for like less than one season called Stacked. No. Starring Pamela Anderson. <gasps> and the entire joke was that she was a librarian, but also she had huge boobs. <laughs> that was the series that we would make in the early 2000s. <laughs> That sounds like like a Jenna Maroney, like a fake TV show in 30 Rock. It does. They made an entire TV show where the joke was just, this woman has big boobs. Next, how is my nose so wet when my skin is so dry? That's what I would like an answer to. Science. My nose is always running in the wintertime. Or it really oscillates violently from one side to the other. My nose in winter goes between being sopping wet, like <laughs> Queen Elizabeth staring at a picture of a horse just dripping. <laughs> uh, and then seconds later, bam, my nose is the desert. And every booger is an eager cactus just looking to make a name for itself. Because you know how boogers are. Everyone just wants to stand out. Everyone is just looking for his moment to shine. Oh look at me! I'm I'm the star booger. Of, uh, I'm I'm the star booger of the week, and then he'll stab and jab and and kind of wiggle his way to the surface and and poke himself out. So, so then you have that one little sharp number, who's always right at the crest, right at the tip. And then your nose is wet again, but this time by blood. Yeah. Next, everything is itchy all the time. And not the like satisfying, oh, let me scratch this, like mosquito bites, where it feels like you're getting somewhere when you're scratching <laughs> because There's you can see the bite growing and growing and swelling, which I love. One of my favorite pastimes. I've been, I've been open about this before. I love scratching <laughs> a mosquito bite. But this is the type, when, you're, when you have dry skin, the itchiness that comes from dry skin, it's the type of scratching where it's like, I can feel my body withering away. Oh, it's physically withering away. Yeah, I'm it is scraping decaying. off pieces of me. And then it's like, oh, now there's just dry skin floating around. And what am I breathing in myself? And then you kind of do this existential, oh, what am I? I'm a snake eating, eating my own tail, really. Just falling into the depths of despair because I'm breathing in my own floating dead cells. Pieces of Me by Ashley Simpson. It's actually what that song is about, is her dry, flaky skin. Ew. <laughs> also, I have to moisturize like every seven seconds. And every time it's like trying to scrape butter on burnt toast. If you listen closely, you can hear the sound of all of my little skin cells just slurping up the moisturizer. Like it's like it's me trying to impress a boy at my first frat party freshman year of college. Just slurping away. There are a few things that I have found more humiliating in my life than the fact that I used to have to sleep with gloves on. Like I would moisturize my hands and then I would put gloves on so that my hands wouldn't just bleed in the morning. Right. The only thing more degrading is wearing socks. Yes. On your hands. Yeah. Which 
I have also had to do. When I was at home, I was like, um, my mom was asking me for for gift ideas for Christmas. And I was like, you know what I'm kind of interested in is those moisturizing like gloves. They, they sell like specific material that you yeah. wear. No, it's I just know. a glove. It's just it a is. glove. <laughs> but she was like, why? You just wear a sock. And I was like, okay, no class. You can turn it into a little puppet. Yeah, sure. And then you'll have a friend finally during I'm, quarantine. Okay. You'll have two friends. <laughs> like, sure. I guess I could just sit there with my fists up Kermit's ass if I really <laughs> wanted like a, a festive covering. No, I want a moisturizing glove. To me, there is nothing more kind of debasing than moisturizing because you have to. But then there's no there's no way to moisturize without then becoming a sliding, slippery monster where it's like, OK, now I'm, I'm, I'm trapped inside this room because I can't twist the doorknob to, to escape. It's a real it's a real catch 22. Whoever Miss Neutrogena, Miss Miss Jurgen, get a life. Because I'm sick of you rubbing your semen all over my hands and then it becomes too slippery. I need that fast absorbing action. Next. Also, thanks a lot, coronavirus, because now I wash my hands so much and inexplicably that makes the dryness even worse. Again, make it make sense. Why (laughs) is my body the way that it is? If I wet something, does it not get wetter? This has been Science with Matt. I am constantly thirsty. My mouth is constantly dry. And then what? I'm getting up in the middle of the night to pee. I'm drinking a bunch. And then I'm getting up in the middle of the night to pee. Then I'm stubbing my toe in the corner. Uh, It's some like foundation pillar. And then before you know it, my entire building is falling down. (laughs) So that's where we're at. Are you happy winter dryness? You've destroyed my life. Also, my allergies are having the time of their fucking lives. Why anybody is this who happening? Refers to it, anybody who is refers to it as seasonal allergies needs to check your goddamn privilege. Because for some of us, this is a year-round battle. My glands are dealing with so much. Because then there's dryness, and then there's dust, and then there's my flaky skin, and everybody else's flaky skin. All of the particles that are floating around, and then I ingest them, they get into my eyes, my ears, my mouth, and it's it's despicable. And finally, I am forced, because of winter dryness, to make friends with a humidifier, who is a bitch I do not trust. Because she's always in the corner just gluck, 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 drinking her little drinks and then spitting out all of her little, little mist. And I don't trust it. She's a little magician. A little, a little magician, bitch. Why do I also, why do I have to drink water if I'm breathing in what the humidifier is putting out? The issue with humidifiers for me is that it's like laptops where it's something that you should absolutely clean, but I absolutely refuse. Yeah, I've thrown humidifiers away in between after <laughs> one year of use because I'm like, I I don't know how to clean this. I don't trust that what it is putting out is not just full of germs. And leading to more allergies. The one that, by the way, the one that I just set up in my bedroom is one that has been in my closet for about two years. Oh, good. Was still in the box, unboxed it this week, <laughs> plugged it in. Fortunately, I bought one that has 
the technology where it kills this is made up technology by the way i still don't believe it's real where it has uv technology in the mm. tank to kill off germs but it's the problem like is i have machine. not seen a light go on mm. it is not illuminated in any way okay. so i must be doing something wrong probably or it was sitting in the closet for so long that it no longer works <laughs> Which is my story, fundamentally. <laughs> and on that note, that's it for this week's Deep Dive. I'm sick of winter dryness. Everybody fucking moisturize. Wash your hands in the moisturize right away. Drink your fucking water. Get a humidifier. We will fight this battle together. My guest complainer today is... Claire Saffitz, uh, let's see, Harvard grad, former senior food editor at Bon Appetit, snack and candy reverse engineering genius, New York Times bestselling author of Dessert Person. I, I would wear that every every day. You, you have to. There's no other way. There's no other way to intro you without that. Welcome to Unhappy Hour. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited. I just, all I want to do is rant all the time. So this is really, this is a fantastic opportunity for me. I am known as a world-class complainer. So thank you for having me. Well, um, yeah, I'm so excited to complain. I I feel like just judging, obviously I don't know you personally, but judging based on your content, I would say you you seem like a person who is like, just constantly has that kind of simmer, you know, where it's like you could flip at any minute. And this is praise. This is, I say this with (laughs) absolute love. Right. It's my kind of person. Well, thank you. I think it's at a simmer, but I feel like keeping it at a simmer means it never boils over. You know what I mean? Like I just, the constant drip of complaining helps me. I've actually been thinking about it. And I think that complaining is part of my process. And that's what I always tell people. I mean, yeah. And also not to like try to be too cute about it. But like, I feel like with baking, like part of like 95% of the process is just massively fucking up. And then like, you know, (laughs) being like, okay, this was terrible. And now I'm going to try to do it again and make it better. And so you like complaining is part of that whole deal. Yeah, well, I mean, for me, baking is no longer 95% fucking up. I mean, it was at one point, like, hopefully, (laughs) like, thank God, it's no longer that for me. Um, And like, at at some point, many, many years ago, I crossed this kind of threshold where it went from feeling really hard and arduous and stressful and like anxiety producing to something more therapeutic. So fortunately, I'm there. Like, I always say to people, baking is my yoga, you know, like, or I don't, I don't meditate, but I bake. So that to me is like soothing. And that's when I feel like least likely to complain. I would say I'm most likely to gripe or rant about stuff when it involves the New York City subway. I mean, that's like 95% of my complaints is like about the subway, which sort of less of a thing now in COVID. But um, yeah, like living in New York, there's just so much to complain about. And and like, we love it, you know, as, as I feel like I'm a honorary New Yorker like we live for that so what what would I have if I didn't have that well I got ahead of myself because usually I start by asking what is one thing you hate that everybody else loves doesn't have to be subway related but it can be I thought of such a good one I have a thing that I absolutely hate that other people love it is the combination of chocolate and fruit I hate it it's awful it's so bad there's no good version I'm trying to think of an example like a chocolate cake with 
like a black forest cake is like cherries and chocolate or chocolate covered strawberries or um, like chocolate dipped orange, candied orange peel, which is the least good of all of the bad ones. You know, it's um, I, I absolutely hate it. Yeah, chocolate and orange is one that I I just never it never seems appealing to me. I don't it somehow got like grandfathered in to be this thing that people love and I think a lot of being a food editor and a recipe developer is questioning those things that people have always said are good and actually aren't or vice versa saying like this thing that people say isn't good actually is really good and so I gained the confidence over time to sort of be like, I, I don't like these things that people, you know, love and fall all over. And one of them is chocolate and fruit. And I just absolutely hate it. My my thought while you were saying that is, A, I need to have, I need to like train my palate better so I know what I don't like. Because <laughs> here's a thought that I have, like when I'm baking or cooking or something, sometimes I'll finish a recipe and I'm like, I can't tell if I just screwed this up or if I just don't like the finished product. And obviously like recipe developing is about like nitpicking where you're like this it's this amount versus this amount or like this spice or whatever I don't know I'm, I'm also like it's funny this time of year because I'm home in Chicago this is not my normal environment we're recording this at the beginning of December um but I'm I'm staying with my family for the rest of the year and I've I've told them straight out they have the palates of like toddlers all of them <laughs> and so when I'll make something I'm like I already know you're not gonna like this because it has more than just it's more than just like butter on noodles <laughs> and it's always it's it's hard right now I'm like okay now I have to regress my Myself because I'm making stuff for people who are like, I don't know. This, this is a separate rant. So first of all, there's nothing wrong with butter noodles. I love I love butter noodles. That's amazing. <laughs> sure, That's sure. still a great food. Um, and I just as, as sort of a, a related point, like what I I am very opinionated about food, but I don't think it's the same thing as as snobbery. Like I try right, very right. hard to run in the opposite direction of, of snobbery. And my feeling is like people just like what they like. So like I hate chocolate and fruit, but if someone loves it, that's great. That's what makes all of our palates different and unique. Um, so just to like, I think that's just an important point that there's a difference between being opinionated and like being a snob and like turning your nose up at that, you know? Right, right. Uh, well, I should clarify. I'll, I'm a snob. I'll be a snob. I'll say, well, I, I'm looking down my nose at them. You can, uh -huh. you can be fine. You can be of the people. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, we, we've gotten away from, from your complaining, which was fruit and chocolate. I've never gotten behind black forest cake. I don't understand like cherry and chocolate in particular. Yeah. Cause it's not good. That's what I think. Unless I'm missing something, like it's, I I leave room for the possibility that I am missing something. You know, I right. I won't I won't just completely a hundred percent like slam the door. But I agree, and I think it's it is a mostly a flavor thing. Like I do not like the kind of fruity acidity combined with chocolate. But I also it's a texture thing too because like I don't want like a wet cold strawberry in coated in chocolate because I think also it's like a temperature thing. I'm, I'm really going through all the different ways in which I don't like it, but um, <laughs> it offends like every it, sense. <laughs> it, yes. Yes. All of them hate this combination. What about chocolate covered strawberries? No, that's what I'm talking about. I hate that because they're usually refrigerated. And so then the strawberry is cold and it hurts your teeth when you bite in. And then the worst way to eat chocolate is when it's cold because 
then it won't like start melting as you eat it, you know? And so I'm like, no, it's, and then, then it's watery and cold. And it's just, I, there's, I only ask that because that is the one, that is the one that I think I, I would, would go for, but they also do get like weirdly because you do keep them in the fridge. They get like weirdly sweaty. And then it's like, you're just eating like a a weird wet piece (laughs) of chocolate. (laughs) Yes. And then like the chocolate separates from the fruit because the fruit also has to be super, super dry for the chocolate to adhere. And so then there's like the separation and it, yes, like, Oh, that now you just maybe hate it even more (laughs) thinking about that. Um, I think what I'm really ranting about is how sensitive I am about chocolate and how chocolate is a really hard ingredient to work with. Um, And it's, there's also so many different kinds of chocolate and so many different, you know, there's different characters and different chocolates. And I really don't like to combine it with many other things except for like nuts and caramel. And that's just all I want. Those to me, like that is, that is harmony, that that is a harmonious combination and anything else. I'm like, that's not good. So have you gotten any better at tempering chocolate? Not to not to touch on a sensitive subject. No, that's okay. I actually really feel like I have. So I'm glad that you brought it up. Um, And it actually became a really important lesson for me about fear in the kitchen and not letting and just like as a lesson in life about like things that feel hard. If you avoid them, then they like gain power over you and like feel even harder. I love that this is about chocolate. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Once I really understood about how to control the temperature, which mostly came in the form of removing the saucepan from the heat, like Mm -hmm. and, and doing it more gently, I was like, oh, I totally understand how this works. And I and I'm and and I feel neutral about tempering chocolate. I feel that's, neither good nor good. bad. That is an improvement. Yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we should also say, yes. I mean, you explained it uh, a thousand times on Gourmet Makes, but yeah. But right. It's basically like heating and cooling and then slight reheating process whereby the chocolate crystals like fall back into formation and then you get like a shiny crisp chocolate, like a bar versus like a soft sort of never fully hardened texture that you get when you just melt chocolate and let it cool. I tried it. I tried it for the first time the other day and it failed spectacularly. <laughs> I mean, it would have been amazing if I really nailed it on my first shot, but no, it did not work. How has like, how's this year been? How's quarantine been? I, I still say we're in quarantine, even though who knows anymore. I, I mean, I think we are. I am. I mean, I've been treating it like that. Uh, how's it been for you? What are you doing to stay sane and alive? I think the biggest blow for me personally was daylight savings and having it get dark so early. Yeah. And it's more of a struggle now that it's colder and it gets dark and I am really struggling for any kind of motivation to do literally anything. Right, right. Do you have like any any newfound like quarantine hobbies that you didn't realize that you would be <laughs> developing? Someone asked me the other day what my hobbies are. And I was like, oh, God, I don't have any. Like, I don't know. I guess it's baking, but that's not really a hobby because that is also my profession. So I can't really say that. No, I have not picked up any new hobbies. It was my goal to teach myself how to knit back in March, and I have still not done it. Um, But I did recently rescue a kitten. So now my new hobby is, like, being the mother to this new kitten that I'm obsessed with. So That counts. um, Yeah. Yes, yes. I'm super – that has been – such a source of joy and like I've never had a baby animal of any kind and I inherited two cats when I moved in with my now husband and I love them but I've never had a kitten and so I am just like obsessed with him that's a perfect that I feel like that counts it's a hobby you're like keeping really three three things alive which is more than I've done 
I'm like, I'm parenting. All I've done this year is kill plants. So (laughs) I feel like you've done far more than I have. Oh, I've also done that, just to be clear. I don't get it. I don't get how, like, it's you can keep an an animal alive, but not a a plant. Like, that is, I mean, I'm projecting, but I'm not, that came out accusatory. (laughs) (laughs) No, but like, an animal will scratch at your at the bed and like climb all over you when it wants to be fed, the plant just sort of like withers away. And I'm like, I don't know what it was. It was probably the fact that I never watered it. (laughs) But Like, thank God for cats because my quarantine would have been even more bleak without like, you know, cuddly, cute animals. Right, right. I mean, I have I've I've yet to become a real a, a real cat person, but we're still in like a kind of standoff relationship. I I feel towards cats where it's like I guess I'm neutral. I I guess I don't like actively hate them, but mm. Wow. <laughs> there's just a mistrust. I know like the the subtext of what I just said was like I hate cats even though I mm. didn't actually say that, but wow. like <laughs> there's it it just feels like they don't trust me. I don't trust them every time I'm near mm. them. So there's there's like a there's bad energy. Yeah, I think that is true about them not trusting you at all. Me but, in particular. <laughs> you in particular. But once you gain the trust, it's like the best feeling ever. It's like, and because like you have to earn it. I think that's why I like it so much. It's like they don't just give it to you for free. Right. Also, I have a cat that's very dog-like and it's like attention-seeking and affection-seeking. And so I'm like, this is amazing. You know, um, I've definitely been around cats that are like, you know, peace out. I'll see you when you like open the can of food or whatever. But like I have I have learned to become a cat person and now I just want to like rescue all the kittens. Um, well, I'm happy for you. I'm happy that you have that. <laughs> um, I, I, I won't get behind it, but I, I'm happy that you have it. I do want to talk about some of the other stuff that you sent in to, to rant about. But before that, as of this recording, you announced your your new YouTube channel. So, mm-hmm. yeah, t- tell us about the book because it's related to the book, right? Yeah, so I announced it today. I've been working on content for my personal YouTube channel. And yeah, it's, I mean, I had this cookbook come out, like you pointed out, Dessert Person, um, in late October. And so the book represents years of work, um, developing recipes and all of this creativity that I poured into this book. And I felt like it was a shame to not have other kind of media and other content around the book to really show how much I love these recipes and, and how important they are to me. Um, so that's the idea behind the channel, at least in its sort of first iteration is like, this is all going to be content from the book. And so I can really show people and try to be a guide for home bakers who want to get more comfortable in the kitchen, you know, who, who want to learn certain skills and techniques, because there's as sort of careful as I can be about writing a recipe. And I, and I take a lot of pride and, and care in doing that. It's totally different to see it being made. And so it's just like, it's important that there's videos to accompany these recipes that I worked so hard on and really want people to make. Um, and I get to do that now. And I will say, I mean, not to like gush too much, but I do, I, I love the book, but I feel like, like with cooking, the attitude in general seems to be like cooking is like, you can be experimental and free and like throw stuff in. And with baking, it's like exact and you have to do this exact thing. And I think what I appreciate about the book and even I think gourmet makes got at this that it's like you if you learn the certain components, you can sort of like build different stuff. So it's like about learning those components, which I feel like the book that's what the book is in some yeah, parts. Totally. And I think the book in a lot of ways it was a response to this refrain that I heard constantly from people 
just in, in my job, um, which was like, oh, I, I don't bake, but I cook, but I don't bake. You know, there, there was that kind of dismissal of it as this, this other thing. And what I hope the book really demonstrates is that baking is not that different from cooking. You know, they sort of exist on a spectrum. So I always give the example of like, what about a, you know, chicken pot pie or something like, is that baking or cooking? Well, it's both. All right, let's move on to a game we call a uh, bowl of shit talk. You sent us uh, some topics you want to rant about. So starting with Christmas songs. <laughs> I'm a little afraid to talk about this because I know there's going to be backlash. Um, so I just will say this is very personal, obviously, like I'm not, I was just going to say like, I'm not saying that Christmas music is categorically bad, but I actually think I am saying that, (laughs) I guess, but I have no, I have no connection to Christmas music. I'm, I'm Jewish. I've never celebrated Christmas Uh and I just don't know why we all suspend our notions of like what decent music is once a year when it comes time for the holidays and we have to listen to this sort of like insipid like it's a manufactured also like wasn't most Christmas music written by Jews by the way you know probably like I wouldn't be I surprised <laughs> so I there's a couple of acceptable Christmas songs and of course it's anything by Mariah Carey and it's Bruce Springsteen Santa Claus is coming to town <laughs> and other than that I just don't want to hear it right yeah, I the clarification at the end was an important one because I the whole time I was like, but Mariah Carey. Right. Yes. <laughs> right. I mean, look, if I was going to really like apply pressure to that feeling, it's probably a lot to do with the fact that I could never pr- actually participate in Christmas. And I felt that there was like, okay. a loss there, you know, and like there was a sort of deprivation. So, look, it's probably about that in all honesty. But I just also think it's not enjoyable music. And there probably are more examples of acceptable Christmas music out there, but I'm not looking for them. Right, right. We don't have to. That's not what this is about. Dairy Creamer. Ugh, hate it. Hate it. Is there something specific that is just Dairy Creamer? Or is it just like cream? This is really sort of an entry into like me ranting about like coffee in general and Uh like another area in which I'm like very particular. And again, like this is not, my particularity about it is not I'm not equating that with like what is good in some way. This is just like me and how I feel about coffee. Um, Mm -hmm. Just get that out there. But I'm just like, just put real milk in coffee, you know, and have that milk be whole milk. Don't have it be skim milk, which is also another entry point into like me talking about dairy and how like, why is there anything called low fat dairy? Just have it be right, you know, like regular. But I particularly hate the creamer that comes in those little like thimble sized, uh-huh. plastic things that are and you I put like seven of them in a cup of coffee like at, at a diner and then I have seven plastic empty containers it just feels so wasteful and it's like do we feel this important about being able to keep creamer on the table that like we can't just put like milk in a cup or something I don't know I just it really drives me crazy that wow well, I like just heard myself complaining about that one and I sound really nuts but <laughs> it just bothers me what is your coffee order what is wh- why are your feelings about coffee so strong do you have like a one one particular way you take it and that's th- the way I hate when it's assumed that you want sugar in coffee like I do not like coffee to be sweet at all I, I want it to be like milky and delicious but I do not want it to be sweet so I like to go straight down the middle where it's like I just want a good cup of like strong drip coffee with whole milk in it. And I want it to be hot. And like, that's pretty much it. 
to me, coffee is just such a fundamental part of my day that if it's not a good experience, it just fucks everything up and I get really cranky. (laughs) I'm the same way. And I feel like I... I also hate because I like Starbucks is my place. That's where I get a coffee like almost every day. And I hate that I have to repeat like a thousand times, like unsweetened, unsweetened, unsweetened. And sometimes they still put the sugar syrup in in, in like an iced coffee. And it's just mm-hmm. it doesn't even taste like sugar. I mean, that is like a very specific, weird, like syrup thing that they squirt in there. But <laughs> I hate it. I hate it so much. And then you're in the worst mood because it's like now, like, I don't want to like ever ask them to like redo it. I know. And it's like, but now this thing just sucks and I don't want to drink it. And then you, it's like wasteful. And then you're just like bummed. At least I yeah. am. But yeah. Um, okay. A couple more. Um, when people leave one tablespoon or less of something in a container for the next person. Yes. Like words to live by. Kill it or fill it. It's just very inconsiderate. I think it's all, this is also like a proxy for talking about like people's rudeness and being mm-hmm. inconsiderate and selfishness. It's like you have to think about the next person. And this isn't really so much of an issue because like I live with my husband now and neither of us do this. But this was like a thing growing up with two older siblings and in a family of five. Like you would inevitably pick up the container of like Hershey syrup or whatever it was. And you're like, there's nothing in here. You know, like this some I like, uh, you know. Um, and like, it was always a thing at summer camp it was like, kill it or fill it. Like, so it's just about being considered for the next person and not sort of like sneakily making it someone else's problem. It's like, don't right. make your problem someone else's problem. Right, right. Did you ever resort to hiding food from your siblings? <laughs> no, I never did that at home, but I definitely did that when I was in the test kitchen at BA because things would disappear. <laughs> like people would, uh-huh. I, you know, I worked in the test kitchen and we had sort of shared fridges but we also had sort of designated fridge zones where it'd be like, this is my reach in or whatever. Um, and I definitely hid things because I knew that like someone was going to find their way in and be like, oh, you know, look at this. Yeah, I did always find that funny catching a glimpse of that in the background of a video, just knowing that there was some story behind like any anyone's video. Which is, I think, true of any office, especially like millennial offices where like everything is out in the open and nobody has their own space. Mm-hmm. That actually happened constantly in the test kitchen with peanut butter. We had like a lot of peanut butter eaters and I somehow became the designated like keeper of the peanut butter. And I would often, there was a long stretch where it was like an important component of my breakfast somehow. And I would very often walk in and go to make my breakfast and pick up uh, and we kept it in the fridge because it was like natural peanut butter that would separate it. So to keep it, and this was also like a hot topic of debate it was like, should we refrigerate the peanut butter or not? And I was pro refrigerate, but I would go and I would pull the jar out and it would be not just like there was a little bit left in it, it would be like scraped empty. And <laughs> someone would have still put the lid back on and put it back in the fridge. And it was just like, what kind of monster does that? You know, like, just I couldn't fathom. Yeah, that is the one thing that I'm part of me misses about working in an office is like I miss the like just petty like stuff <laughs> like that that would make me angry that like I think that it, it, it's motivating in a way. I need something to like be mad against. I need something to right. exist opposite of. Right. Like you got to make sure you have a pulse, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> I mean, I've always said I I work best when I have like a work nemesis. I need like an, an actual enemy that I am kind of rebelling against. So uh-huh. I yeah. I 
completely hear that. And I think, I think like Roxanne Gay has an essay about like why everyone needs a nemesis, which I sort of think is great. So I, I, I hear you. Well, um, I mean, we can, I can, I'll be your nemesis. If you're looking (laughs) for one, we can, we can arrange that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know if I want that. Can we like, can you be friends and nemesis at the same time? Sure. Frenemesis. Yeah. Okay. All right. We could talk about that. <laughs> um, okay, one more, and I I only want to talk about this one because I, I feel it so viscerally, which is washing a food processor. Ugh, I hate it. I feel like number one is it should be how easy it is to wash something. Like the utility of a product is second nature to actually being able to clean it afterwards. Because if I don't want to use it at all because I know I'll have to clean it, it's not effective. Oh right, I'd never use my food processor because I hate cleaning it. And so it is like an active deterrent. Not only is it a pain, it it also feels dangerous because you're trying to wash that blade, you know, which is in there. And also, like, you can never get all the food out of it because of the shape of the bowl. And so then it's like, you know, full of stuff. And I just it and there's so many parts. And like, I actually I still love my food processor. It does do a lot for you. But like. I have to really be making something crazy to like get out my food processor. So it's actually made me, it kind of brings up the idea of like what form of my laziness is going to win out. Is it like the laziness that I don't want to make this thing by hand or is it the laziness that I don't want to wash this food processor? And usually yeah. it's the latter. I I am the same way. And I, I've been making a lot of pie dough. Obviously it's like pie season and um, I will cheat and use my food processor And I realized like, oh, I'm saving time. It's like so fast to whip this together. But then you have to account for the time at the end of washing. And having a dishwasher changes the dynamic entirely. Even though I think I've like eroded the food processor, I don't even know if it's dishwasher safe. (laughs) Yeah, I, I don't like that that's part of the calculation. Yes, I completely agree. I feel like a lot of the kind of specificity of the steps in the recipes in my book are about avoiding dish excess you know like uh, sometimes I'm like super specific about like okay so first you do this in the saucepan then you transfer that to a bowl then you use the same saucepan again and like a lot of that it sometimes it feels weirdly specific but it also like and like just trust me because what I'm really doing is having you do less dishes you know like it's so that you only use the same saucepan and maybe use it three times and you never have to wash it in between versus three separate saucepans, you know? So, but I just, I do think like in an in, inordinate amount of time about dishes, because if you're a professional recipe developer, then you are also a professional dishwasher, you know? Like I don't have someone coming to my house to do that. So it's it's always on my mind. No, that is f- fundamentally the worst part of baking is is cleanup. And like if that were not part of the equation at all, I, I would be... I don't know, fucking Dominique Ansel. I like I would have invented the cronut if I didn't have to worry about washing dishes. Totally. I see that for you. Thank you. I'm glad. I'm glad that comes across. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, well, I, I'm so glad that we got to have you on. Where can people find you and your work? So you can find me on Instagram. My handle's at C Uh and also now on YouTube as of today, which is very exciting. Um, the channel is just my name. It's like Claire Saffet's dessert person. Um, so right. you can search for either. Uh, yeah, so that would be great. Definitely check out the videos. And 
Thank you for having me. I'm like, I'm like, when can I come on again with a whole new list of things to complain about? Because I just find it so therapeutic and wonderful. I, I love it. So um, thank you for doing me the favor of listening to me complain about a lot of stuff. Yeah, you are welcome back literally whenever. And yeah, we should do m- more stuff. I'm, I would love to. I'll start my list tonight. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're almost there. We're almost at the end of the show. But first, our chasers. Chasers are the good stuff that helps all the bad stuff go down easier, starting with Do Better White People, where we highlight some anti-racism resources and other actions we can take to make the world a little bit better. This week, I wanted to highlight uh, a book. I'm following Barry, uh, your lead from last week. So uh, the book I'm highlighting this week is called The End of Policing by Alex Vitale. He's a sociology professor. He makes the case for the end of of policing. Uh, and it's I, I feel like I wanted to read it uh, as a way of being more intelligent and knowledgeable about what we mean when we say defund the police. Um, because, you know, a lot of times you ca- you pick up on these 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 hashtags and catchphrases on the Internet and uh, you might have some talking points. But when you actually get in an argument with someone on the Internet or in real life, you don't actually have the, the, the facts in the background and the knowledge to back it up. So uh, I wanted to uh, know what I was talking about when I when I say these things. Uh, I think it's uh, an important one to read and, and to educate yourself on what we actually mean when we talk about uh, the end of policing, what you're replacing police with. It's not just, you know, resorting to anarchy, but there are there are better ways when when you when you have a, a, an emergency or a situation than just calling one number and getting a police officer. There are there are perhaps better ways. So the end of policing is the book I'm recommending this week. I love it. All right, let's get into the TV we're watching this week. Barry, what you been watching? I know I am several years late on this, but Alex and I are watching The Night Of, and uh, the first episode, I almost thought I could not continue because it was so suspenseful and made my anxiety go through the roof, but also... It's very good. (laughs) And we have continued. And I'm really, I won't say enjoying it because it's not joyful, but Uh I'm really into it. So yeah, that's what I'm watching this week. What about you? Uh, well, I regret to inform you that I have started watching Survivor from the beginning, which means... Okay, I did think you were going to say The Office <laughs> again, so I'm honestly proud of you. <laughs> okay, well, I will take that. I already watched the first season of Survivor. Um, I used to love Survivor. As a, as a window into how uh, gay of a child I actually was... My my middle school English teacher, I used to we we would have five minutes in between classes to get to our next class. And I used to uh-huh. use like four of those minutes to run and talk about Survivor with the like 80 year old <laughs> English teacher, Miss <laughs> Callahan. Oh, it's so beautiful. <laughs> I used to be so obsessed with Survivor. And I feel like it's having like a I think this is it's like 20 year anniversary or it just was. Mm. I feel like it's it's been having a bit of a renaissance. I don't know if it just came to Hulu and that's why. But yeah, I've started from the beginning and I think I've seen most of it before, but it's been a while. So it's still exciting. And um, yeah. What is your non-TV chaser? My non-TV chaser is this journey that I'm finally going on. 
for making homemade ice cream. When I was in college, I mean, I've loved ice cream forever. I'm really unique in that way. It's like really mm. special um, mm-hmm, and like mm-hmm. just a thing that I'm into. But when a I was delicacy. in co- Yeah, yeah, yeah. And well, when I was in college, um, I almost worked at this really great ice cream shop in Bloomington called Hartzell's. And I, I like knew the owner because I worked at another restaurant and I was like going to apprentice with him. But then I decided to just keep working at the restaurant that I was working at. And, um, you know, I've, I've always wanted to make ice cream. It's not that hard. I got a, an ice cream maker, uh, kitchen aid attachment for Christmas. I'm reading, uh, hello, my name is ice cream and the salt and straw ice cream cookbook right now. Um, <laughs> mentally preparing, I'm watching videos. I'm so excited. So I'm going to do that this weekend. You will taste the fruit of my labor and, I, yeah, just the idea of it is bringing me a lot of joy. And I'm hoping that the act of it will also bring me joy. Jury's still out on that, but we'll see. <laughs> um, also want to just give a big shout out to therapy this week because uh, I hadn't seen my therapist because apparently she was on vacation uh, over the holidays. Unacceptable. Absolutely. Um, so I hadn't seen her in a couple of weeks and then I saw her and I was like, oh, wow, this was so necessary and really helped. So you know, it's been my chaser before, but it's nice to just remind myself that therapy really helps. So, yeah. What about you? Uh, agreed. Agreed. Um, what is my chaser this week? I don't know. I feel like I, it feels like this week has gone on forever. And also it's been the longest <laughs> week of my life. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Today, especially, I just felt so strange. I don't know why. If it was just like, I have a bunch of shit I have to get done, and I'm not getting it done. And so that becomes like a paralyzing cycle. Or if it's just like a weird day, there's no way of knowing. No way. Um, but one thing I like, I mean, I don't know, this is boring to everybody, probably. But uh, I have been trying to get better at there's no other sexier way of saying this besides meal prep. Um, cause that I'm like, okay, what jack off my face? Why? I don't care. <laughs> Are you, my previous chaser was the paprika app, which was a huge hit with our <laughs> listeners. And by huge hit, I mean, maybe five people reached out to me about huge. it. Um, huge. meal prep is my shit. So I welcome it. This is a safe space. This is a brave space. Please continue. It's mostly remember at the beginning of quarantine when one of my chasers was deli containers that I, <laughs> that I purchased yes. in bulk from Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've been putting them to good use. Um, cause like this week I made this like crock pot, um, lentil soup. Mm. Uh, and then I'll like portion it out. So I have like seven days worth of, of soups that I, that I I go through. And there's something so satisfying about taking something and like heating it in the microwave, but that is not like a microwave. Like it's something that you, it's even though it's, so it's like a microwave dinner, but like elevated. (laughs) Right. Like you're the factory. If you will. (laughs) Gourmet. Oh my God. Gourmet. (laughs) Trademark. Huge Uh, brand news for you. (laughs) Trademark. I also want to say on the topic of this week's episode with our, our, our guest Claire is a dessert person. Um, I I really do love her cookbook and her YouTube series. Uh, I haven't watched all of it yet. I've been saving it to, to, to go through, but I'm very excited to watch that. And that will undoubtedly bring me joy. 
So I've been watching her gourmet makes about Ben and Jerry's to help inform my ice cream <laughs> making abilities. So I'm right there with you. Love her. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't mention that I do think ice cream is exceedingly easy to make. I know it is. Okay, it's cre- I know. Creme anglaise, as they I'm, say in France. Whatever. I'm aware. Okay. You put but egg I'm yolks excited. in a bunch of cream and then heat it up and then put it in a machine. Bam. Done. I could ma- I could write a recipe down right now off the top of my head. This was supposed to be my chaser. And um, <laughs> now, <laughs> now and I feel like it shit. Of its joy. Thank goodness for therapy, I guess. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Unhappy Hour. You can head to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get podcasts. Hit that subscribe button and then rate us and review us. But only if it's nice. I don't want to hear your shit. Unhappy Hour is a production of Pineapple Street Studios. It's produced by Barry Finkel, Melissa Slaughter, and me, Matt Bellasai. Special thanks to Jenna Weiss-Berman and Max Linsky. Our music is by Hansel Sue. You can bother Barry at Finkleberry Pie. You can worship me at Matt Bellisai. You can follow Unhappy Hour Pod on Twitter for all the latest podcast buzz. You can leave a voicemail on our rant hotline at 601-600-RANT. That's 601-600-7268. You can uh, subscribe to me on Patreon for some bonus content. And that's it. That's everything. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Uh, Bye-bye. I'm off the deep end. Watch as I dive in. I'll never leave Hello. All right, that's enough. <laughs>